Good morning and welcome church family. Those of you who are in person and online, thank you for being here today. We have a few announcements today. Uh, the first I wanna draw your attention to is the second reading of the membership transfers. We have four people that are coming in and one that is leaving and the names are in your bulletin. Second is the Washington Conference constituency session is coming up and we are placing the name before you of Richard Niram for the Constitution and Bylaws Committee and you can read more about that online. Next, I'll invite Terry up for a few more announcements. Well, it seems like it's the very busy time of the year. I feel like I have three announcements for you. Um, I just want to remind you that in the church email, it talks about the Greenwood Elementary School needy families that we tend to help this time of year. This year, we'll be helping 14 families that have been identified by the family support workers. Um, typically, these families are families who are single family or single parent, have many children. I know this year, two of the families have six children. And um, we don't, I, they didn't give me a lot of information about the families. That's kind of the details that I know at this point. But we try to help these families. These families receive um, free lunches and breakfasts at school and um, bags of food from the food bank on Fridays. And so during their winter break, all these supports are missing. And so the money that we give in the form of gift cards um, goes to help feed those kids, but also for needs for those families and potentially Christmas gifts as well that the parents can buy. So next Sabbath is the last day to get money to me for helping those families, and then I will buy the gift cards. Um, and So it's easier for me if you give me money because then I can divide the money evenly between the families. So next Sabbath is the deadline for that so I can get them to them before their school break. So that's announcement number one. Next week is also the Green Lake Pathway of Lights. And we will be again having a booth where we offer peppermint, hot peppermint tea and hot chocolate to the people who are streaming down from the neighborhoods to walk around the lake and see the beautiful lights. Um, I need volunteers to help with that. We also give out flyers about the Christmas program the following week. It's a lovely way for the neighborhood to know that there's life in this church, and it's pretty painless to help hand out hot chocolate and hot mint tea and hand out flyers. So it's a, it's a fun event. Someday, I hope that the weather will be nice enough so that they'll have the hot air balloons over at the community center. I'm looking forward to seeing that um, and walking around the lake. But that has... the. The weather has not been aligned since I became aware of that. Maybe that will be this year. So I'm looking for volunteers to sign up to help with that um, project. That's one, two. Oh, and then just a reminder that the Christmas breakfast will be December 23rd, and we look forward to seeing all of you that morning. And now Erica for an announcement. I know that many of you, your Christmas calendars are filling up, so we just wanted to make sure you squeeze in one more event. I was sitting next to Violet, and she mentioned, we have a block, so now we can have a block party. So we are going to have a really fun time next Saturday night. We're going to open up the whole entire block, 
And we invite you to come and see all three of the two homes that, um, that we have on this plaque as well as uh, come and finish up here at the church. So we will have our own sort of pathway of lights where we'll start uh, lighting up our uh, path at the Meridian House where you'll come and enjoy some, um, some finger foods and uh, some Christmas caroling. You'll get a chance to go downstairs and see the ministry suite and then come over to the newly purchased lake house for a delicious dinner and then see the new suites, the new loft and garden suites that are right behind the lake house um, and then come over to the church for some desserts. The link to sign up is in the bulletin, uh, and it's an Eventbrite link. And we will start groups of 25 every 30 minutes, starting at 4.30. So I hope that you'll come and join us. I have to mention, sorry, that this is a fundraising event for the Green Lake Foundation and for the new home that we just purchased. Thank you. Two more, which is happening in the next two weeks. There is the Cypress SDA School Christmas program. That is on December 12th, so about a week and a half away, so don't miss that. And then, of course, we have, as Terry said, our annual Candlelight Christmas concert happening December 15, so just under two weeks. So you won't want to miss that. It's at 7.30, as always, and we have beautiful music prepared. Now, if you will join me in standing and greeting one another to pass the peace.
Father, we thank you for being with us this week. We pray that you would come into this place and that your spirit would wash over us and that we would be renewed. We thank you for the Sabbath and let us rest in it. In your name we pray, amen. In the settle and stir of a burnt orange sunrise, in the lilting laughter or memory of a table full of friends, in a flash of clarity that turns on the light of insight and leads us towards wisdom, we find the peace that passes all understanding. But there are things we need to understand. Help us hear you in the stories of those who struggle. Peace is what the prophets foretold. Peace is what is sacrificed when profit takes precedence. We light a candle for peace and pray for the courage to stand up for it. In this second week of Advent, as the waiting and expectation heighten, deepen our desire for peace. Like the wise called to journey in those early dawning days, may we seek, strive, search for peace. Like the prophets old and new, may we cry out for its coming. We light a candle for peace. May it light the way.
know if that's supposed to be a special music and we're supposed to notice it or not, but thank you. That was lovely, really lovely. I get to call for the offering. Ken called me up and said, John, you like talking about money, don't you? I go, yeah, I do. I like spending money. I like getting money. Money is fun stuff, powerful stuff. And today's offering, if, you know, if they were passing the, well, I guess we are passing the plates now. You know, if you, if you throw a 20 or or $100 bill in the plate, don't do once. You know, come on, something more. If you throw something in the plate, it goes for combined budget. You don't have to think about that. It just, that's what, it, that's what today's offering would go for. You know, the lights, um, bell tables, all, all the things that make the church operate. I want to talk about something else. When I got here in 2012, and over the next year or two, several times I heard people talk with kind of regret. You know, that house across the street, I remember it came up for sale and it was, it was $40,000, and it was just way too much money. Well, and then there was that one over there, I think it came on the market, it was $60,000, you know, just way too much money. And of course, by 2012, those numbers are laughable. You know, he's like, oh man, right. But we don't talk with regret anymore. We talk with deep satisfaction and joy. We got the Jensen house. Man, we thought that was going to kill us. It really stretched us. And now when you go over there for potluck or a dinner in Kevin's backyard... You're going, wow, we are glad we did it. Really glad we did it. And I sit and listen to Karin's phone conversations with people who are coming to Seattle for um, medical care. And they're staying in the basement at the Jensen house. And uh, Kevin and his wife taking good care of them. Danelle, I'm sorry, Danelle. Yes, I did for a second blink on your name. <laughs> You know, Kevin and Danelle, welcome. But we have that space to do this incredible ministry. And then, most of you have heard the story about Rona coming to choir practice and discovering that the Meridian House was going for sale. And again, we did this daunting, audacious, crazy thing. And we bought the house. And now... There's no regret. Instead, there's pride, joy, satisfaction, delight in the ministry that that house supports. And now, we have a third opportunity. It, to me, it kind of completes the picture, the lake house here next door. You know, for 60 years, the church dreamed of that place. At one point, the property actually belonged to the church. Now, we put it back together. And it is a daunting challenge. You know, a lot of good things are, are difficult. <laughs> so we're trying to raise a bunch of money. And you're thinking, I don't have a bunch of money. That's okay. You have some. I, I like to think of supporting the church. When, when you think about putting money in the church, think about other recurring memberships that you have. You know, maybe you uh, subscribe to Netflix. Perhaps you're a member at Costco or Amazon Prime. 
there's a whole kinds of places where we just kind of, we put it on automatic. You don't even, you, you don't think about it every year. It just, it's just there. And that's how the world works. I mean, that's how the big things work because a lot of little things cooperate. And that's how church works. Here at Green Lake, unless things have changed radically in recent years, and I doubt it, almost all of the giving is done by just a handful of people. And you know what? If you never give a penny, you are so welcome. But you are missing something. One of the ways that you, you tie your heart in with the church is with money. You know, your, your calendar and your checkbook. Of course, I have to update the illustration. Kevin, do you have a checkbook? Oh, you have one, okay. <laughs> you know, I realize, when's the last, I, I don't write very many checks, but it, if you'll humor me, our calendars and our checkbooks are actually infallible statements of our values. And if church matters to you, you'll find a way to, to put something financially into it because that's, that's how we work together as a family. So, thank you for the generosity. This church has been so generous over the decades, continues to be so. So many of you give so richly. Some of you, I want to invite you, think again. You know, think about Costco membership. <laughs> think, think about Netflix. Think about something and go, yeah, this community too. I would like to be part of it a little deeper and find a way to, to participate in the ongoing expenses of the church, and if possible, a special gift for this fantastic challenge and opportunity, the Lake House. Um, deacons, I invite you to stand. We'll ask God's blessing on the money that he has placed in our hands. Lord in heaven, thank you for the, the, the money that that passes through our hands. We take joy in spending it, earning it, giving it. And now we pray that you will bless our giving to this church. Make our dollars powerful and effective in your service. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can, the plates online, there's also a box in the rear. Giving is easy. Let's do it.
Good morning and happy Sabbath, boys and girls. Happy Sabbath. That's really loud. Okay. So I've brought a few balloons this morning here to show you. And I'm going to stick one here on Ethan's head. Just let's let it hold there for a little bit. Um, did you know that I brought a barbecue skewer? This is for putting food on to, to cook. And I brought a balloon. The two don't mix very well, right? What do you think? If you put them together, what happens? Pop. Pop. Okay. But did you know that if you take your barbecue skewer and you put it in some oil, and a little bit of oil, and I'll get this on my finger here, my hands won't be too dirty. I had a paper towel right here. Um, if you go now that it, there's some oil on there, and if you go in from the end of the balloon, you can actually poke through, and we'll see if this works. I don't know. I tried it five times last night. You can poke through the balloon, and you see the end of the balloon, there's, there's a lot more rubber on the tip of the balloon. We're very careful. We can poke it through the end. Let's see if it works. Did it work? There we go. Poked it through the balloon. It didn't pop. All right. So why did I do that? What does that have to do with today's sermon? It actually has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted to get your attention. So, but today we are actually going to be talking about peace. What are we going to talk about? Peace. And I guess popping a balloon is not very peaceful, is it? Huh? Um, Pastor Kevin's going to talk about peace. We talked about peace with the Advent calendar, and uh, this, the scripture was also about peace today. So if you grew up in the 1960s or 70s, you might have seen somebody do this. What does that mean when you see somebody going like this? What does that mean? Peace. Ooh, we'll try that again. Try saying that again. Peace. That means peace. So peace can be, or if you grew up in California like me, when somebody is leaving, they'll say, hey, peace out, bro, right? Or peace, see you later, right? So people in California say that. Um, so peace is just a greeting. What is it? It can be a greeting where you say hi or bye to somebody. In Bible times, they would say shalom, or actually in Jewish culture, they'll say shalom, which means kind of God's peace be with you. It can be a greeting, right? Now, peace is not just a greeting. The Bible talks about other ways that peace is used. Peace can mean that you have a good relationship with who? With God. Peace can also mean that you have a good relationship with who else? With other people, right? And then how about this? I need somebody to answer me. What's the opposite of peace? Can anyone think of opposite of peace? What would you say the opposite of peace is? War. There we go. Let's try it again. War. War, yeah. So war would be the opposite of peace. So if there's a country or a region that's um, not at war, they are in what, everybody? Peace, right? So peace could also mean peace inside your soul. Can everyone do this? Uh, peace in your soul. It can mean that you're serene or tranquil or you're calm. Can you all say calm? Calm. So that could be peace. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about peace inside of our souls in a minute. Now the Bible talks about peace and I need you guys to fill in the blanks for me. So in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah talked about the birth of Jesus coming. We're about getting into Christmas season. And he said that there would be, for unto us a child is born, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. Okay. The Bible also around Christmas time talks about the angels. Remember the angels and they came, who did the angels come to? They, the angels came at the birth of Jesus and they came down to the shepherds first, right? And um, they said at that time, peace on earth, goodwill to all men and women and children, everybody, right? All people. Uh, Matthew talked about something called the Beatitudes. I want to see if you can fill this in. The Beatitudes says, blessed are the peacemakers. Can you say peacemakers? Yeah, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God and the daughters of God. 
Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for all you need. Remember I said about worrying? The opposite of that is peace. And this is where that fun song comes from. Do you guys know this song? I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? That in my heart. Where? Down in my heart, I've got the peace that passes understanding, doubt in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Nice job. Okay, one last mention of peace is with the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the who? Fruits of the Spirit. We have another fun song we sing in Sabbath school, and it says, The fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, so peace. Talking all about peace today. And I wanted to talk one more, say one more thing about peace. I brought for you a potato. What did I bring? Now, potato. The potato represents our life. What is the potato representing today? Life. Now, is life perfect? No, bad things happen. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we have a lot of things going on, maybe holiday shopping or a test coming up in spelling or in math. So sometimes life is not perfect. Is this potato perfect? No, it's lumpy and bumpy and there's little eyes on there. It's definitely not perfect. Now, I wanted to talk about, remember I said peace can mean balance or inside of you. Jesus gives us calm. Now, have you ever tried to balance a potato on a ruler? Does it balance very well? No, because it's imperfect, right? It's not, it's not a nice flat surface. It doesn't balance very well. However, if you hold that for me, if you, put two, if you take two forks and you poke them into either side of the potato, kind of like Jesus, who's, who's, who do the forks represent? We have Jesus in our life. He gives us peace and some balance. And then now that we have forks, we have two forks here. Now you can balance a potato on a ruler. So now you've got a ruler so you can go and do this at home. Anybody want to try this at home? Try it out. Nice and safe trick. You can balance a potato at home. So remember, who gives us peace in our hearts? God and Jesus gives us peace in our hearts. And I want you guys, as you go back to your seats, to pass the peace on to other people around you. Amen.
Let's pray together. Creator of earth and sky and sea, thank you for an opportunity again today to come together under the smile of heaven to connect with one another and with you. Our hearts are heavy with the, with the bad news that we see all around us, especially in the news, war, disaster, outrage, and the suffering in the lives of people close to us, those who are dear to us. We think of our friends whose names are in the bulletin. We pray that you will work healing, comfort, and solace. We thank you that here at the beginning of Advent season, early in the season, we have time to remember your presence in Jesus Christ. Jesus the baby, and we're reminded of the preciousness of children. Jesus the healer, and we are called to heal. Jesus the teacher, and we are called to wisdom. We pray that your spirit will work in us and around us to accomplish peace. Now, Lord, we will join together in repeating the words Jesus taught us, and we pray that you hear us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you.
The New Testament reading is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. May the Lord bless the hearing of the word. Amen. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Ours started out a little bit rough. Two days before Thanksgiving, I get a call from Danelle. It's, I don't know, like 8 o'clock. And she says, I just went outside and I don't see our car. Turns out our car was stolen. And then we had to go through all of the routine that you do when a car gets stolen. You, you call the police. You make a report. You talk to the detective, and you call your insurance. And now, it isn't like this all of the time. We're human. We have anxiety. We get stressed out. If you had a snapshot at our lives any given week, you will see moments of stress and chaos. But I'm happy to report that this time, in this moment, we had serenity the kind of serenity that Reinhold Niebuhr talked about in his famous serenity prayer, as I put it up on the screen. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Our car is stolen. We could jump up and down. We could yell. We could shout. But in this moment, we did what we could do. We called the people that we could call, and we decided let's go on our vacation. We were planning to take our truck anyways, to go across the pass and to go to Idaho, And I can report we had peace throughout the whole ordeal. 
Now, I didn't know until this experience happened, but do you know how many cars within the Seattle region are recovered? What percentage? Raise your hand if you think less than 50. Raise your hand if you think more than 50. It turns out it's about 86% of cars that are stolen are recovered. And while we were on our vacation and Thanksgiving holiday, we get the report. They, they found it, and it was driven as far as Federal Way, and then we just picked it up from there. I just saw the car for the first time yesterday. It's going to be okay. There's some window damage and uh, ignition, that, that sort of thing, but it's going to be fine. The second part of the prayer, we, we change. Give us the courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference. Today, we are talking about peace. How do we have peace in all circumstances? What does peace mean, and how do we get the gift of it to pass on to our friends, family, and community? It turns out that peace was a theme of many of the things that that Paul wrote. If you look through his writings, he often begins with what words? Grace and peace be unto you. Now, is he just speaking with a, a warm welcome? Is this just his figure of speech, or is it deeper than that? I, I tend to think there is a theological depth with which Paul is writing and with which he's trying to convey his message. Grace, peace be unto you. And if you've read some of the letters of the chaos that was happening within these churches, this is a really good place to start. Grace, for what I'm about to say, peace, because I know what's going on in your communities, grace and peace be unto you. And today, I want to specifically look in to a certain passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 16. I think peace is one of the universal longings of the human heart. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, this is Paul's prayer for this church and this community. He's writing from a distance. He knows these people, and he wants them to experience this gift of peace. So let's put the text up on the screen, and if you have your Bibles, we'll read it and ask three questions of the text. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with all of you. So three questions we're going to ask from this text. And the first question is this. What is peace exactly? About a year ago, as we were going through this Christmas season, I was reflecting on peace. And there was a a man that came through our Green Lake Housing Ministry and I was visiting him in the hospital. He had throat cancer. He couldn't speak. And if you remember from last year, it's okay if you don't, we actually put a picture of him up on the screen, and he couldn't speak, but he wanted to give this message to our community, and he said, peace is the miracle. That's what he wrote out. And I sensed it in his being, and I saw it in his demeanor, Despite not being able to speak, despite having cancer, he had this incredible peace. Just this week, I was talking to another member that's going through the housing ministry and has cancer, and he was telling me how hard it is to go through the hospital. And he's older, but he says to see like 
these mothers of little children that have their heads shaved because they also have cancer. There's something in our being that says this isn't right. This isn't the way that it should be. But we were contemplating, what is peace? How do we have it in these challenging circumstances? One of my favorite stories during an anointing time comes from a pastor friend of mine who pastored for a long time in Walla Walla. And it's always his practice during an anointing, as you go through the the James passage that speaks about anointing, to speak about the need for reconciliation, to speak about the need as a family member is going through suffering and hardship to say, is there anything that needs to be said? He gave this opportunity, and I think he realized that there was some turmoil within this particular family. It was one of the situations where they weren't gathering for Thanksgiving, they weren't getting together for Christmas because something was said years ago, and there was this rift. But they came together at this moment because their family member was dying. And he did the anointing, but he gave this procedure sincerely, and he said, would you want to go through this process? Is there anything that you want to say? And they did. They said the words. They apologized. There was reconciliation. And before anything else happened, there was tears and coming together, and it was beautiful. It turned out, in this case, the family member didn't die of cancer. But everybody that participated in this reconciliation said it was the coming together again, saying the words, the support, that was the true miracle. The miracle itself is peace. When the Bible speaks about, about peace, it's not merely the absence of conflict. We see the wars and the rumors of wars. This is the world that we live on. So peace has to transcend that, and this is what the Bible speaks to. If peace was simply the absence of conflict, we might think of it, if I put this picture up on the screen, we might think of it in terms of a graveyard. You know, you you see rest and peace. But anybody that's been to a funeral or as you walk through a cemetery, and there's a cemetery right close to our house, and we love to walk through it, but if you stop and look at the tombstones, this isn't symbolic of meaningful, deep peace. Graveyards can't be that symbol. Even as there's calm and rest, we know that there's something that's missing. If we think of peace in that sense, it would be more like a beautiful park than a graveyard because at a park, there's life, activity. In the springtime, the flowers bloom and the birds sing, and it's more of this sort of a picture than a graveyard. The biblical idea of peace is flourishing. However, the biblical idea of peace is not merely the idea of peaceful circumstances. It can include that, but it's not only that. And in fact, sometimes when Scripture describes peace, it talks about a peace that somehow transcends our circumstances. You may remember the words of Jesus as he's speaking to his disciples about the coming conflict they're going to experience, and he says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. In this world, 
We have trials and tribulations. If you're human, you've experienced it. And this idea of a peace that overcomes our circumstances really, really connected with me when I heard about one of my friends that went through a difficult time. This is Dwayne and Wendy Harris. We met them while Donnell and I were missionaries in the Philippines. Dwayne is a helicopter pilot and an airplane pilot. He started out in the military and then he had this amazing conversion experience and he gives his life now as a missionary. But shortly after Donnell and I left, we heard that somebody robbed his house and they were surprised that Dwayne was in there and in their surprise, they took out their gun and shot him seven times. Wendy wasn't home, but then she got the news that Dwayne has been shot and it doesn't look good. So she sent the message out to all of her friends around the globe and said, please pray for Dwayne. And in that period of time of not knowing if surgery would be successful, what the outcome would be, she wrote back and she said, thank you so much for your prayers. I feel them. I'm experiencing it right now. And she said she was overcome with this wave of peace, the kind of peace that almost doesn't make sense. It's what Jesus speaks of, the peace that I give unto you transcends worldly understanding. The biblical vision of peace is a vision full of flourishing in every way. And as Brian mentioned in the children's story today, the, the word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. There's a theologian named Neil Platinga, and he's def defined shalom in this way. He says, it's the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. This is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. So we go to the next slide. In the Bible, shalom, get my slide back, it's going a little bit off. Just one second. There we go. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. So when Paul writes this prayer, this wish to the Thessalonian believers, he wants them to begin to experience in the here and now this dimension of shalom, which is an echoing of the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Peace is possible now, and it's very different from what the world offers. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus gives us a kind of peace that the world cannot give, that the world cannot offer. So we've asked the question, what is peace? And we see that it's a broad topic that includes all the dimensions of flourishing and well-being. But we've also noticed that this is not the way that it always looks or feels like in our life. Sin has entered. There's conflict. There's death, disease, and hurt. There's a brokenness. But even still, peace is possible right here, right now, because the Lord of peace has come. This brings up the second question. Why is Jesus 
called the Lord of peace. As we return to the text, we see that Paul puts this language in. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. Why is Jesus referred to as the Lord of peace? It's an important question because there are other passages in Scripture where it becomes clear that there's a sense in which Christ does not bring peace to everyone in every situation. For instance, consider the words in in Matthew where Jesus says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Isn't it true that he was born, that when he was born, the angels declared, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Isn't Jesus the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Peace? Yet there's a sense in which he came not to bring peace, but a sword? Nor does Christ bring peace to all people. The scripture is very clear in Isaiah 57, verse 21, that there is no peace for the quote-unquote wicked. So there are some people who will not, indeed, they cannot receive peace. They cannot receive peace from God or peace through Christ until something happens in their hearts. And the scripture, speaking about the day of judgment, tells us that at the end of time, on the day of judgment, there will be peace for some, but there will be distress and tribulation for others. Romans 2 puts it like this. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So the sense that some people will experience this peace and other people will not. That is because soul is an integrity word. If you remember going back about a month ago, I I did a series on the soul. And if you want to walk in the pathway to peace, it's about integrity. It's about in following your conviction. In the book of Acts this morning, we were looking at the early church and it says three times throughout the book of Acts that they were cut to the heart. They were convicted by what Peter was saying. And they asked, what do we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. But the final time in the King James Version, it puts it, they were cut to the heart. And instead of responding with contrition, with repentance, with trying to make things right, we are told that the religious leaders actually covered their heart and they picked up stones to stone Stephen. Peace is an integrity word. When we respond to conviction and we do what we believe to be right, we have peace. If we avoid that, we live in chaos and tension. So how is Christ the Lord of peace? Consider Ephesians And to understand this, we really need to understand a conflict that was happening within the early church. And a large part of that conflict was the tension between Jew and Gentile. Gentile, honestly, was a a synonym for sinner, pagan. Those who were not insiders, the outsiders, this was the tension, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. The circumcised Jewish believers were, quote-unquote, the chosen ones, and the Gentiles did not have this blessing from God, so some thought. But in the early church, this this wall of separation was being broken down, 
And in Ephesians, Paul explains it like this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Christ comes into this tension and he says, no, these separations, these barriers, these tribalistic tendencies that we have to separate insider from outsider, this is not my way. And he brings unity and reconciliation and ultimately peace for everyone involved. This is, in fact, why I believe the gospel, the message, the ultimate purpose of what we speak and teach about as Christians and believers is why the gospel is called the gospel of peace in Romans 10, the gospel of peace, the glad tidings of good things. Charles Spurgeon said that peace is the juice, the essence, and the soul of the gospel. And if I was to put it in my own language today, what is the gospel? The gospel is hope. It's transcendent. It's for every believer and every human being that wants goodness as opposed to chaos, who wants peace as opposed to the fights and conflicts that are so rampant within our culture today. The gospel is what we can maintain and achieve by belief. We know that God is for us and not against us. We can be at peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. We can be like that bird that's building a nest behind a roaring waterfall with the storm and lightning clouds all around. We can be like Jesus who falls asleep in the middle of a storm. So the third question, the final question that we can ask today about peace is how does Christ give us this peace? What does it mean for the Lord to give us this peace? And and notice again what Paul says in the passage. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every circumstance. How does he do that? The first way is Romans 5.13. In Romans 5.13, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We achieve this peace, first of all, by believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Peace comes through faith, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you receive and abound in hope. Now, as Brian mentioned in the children's story, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, This is the gift that can come to those who believe. We access this by trusting, by hoping, by believing this is a gift for us. And honestly, as I think about what it means to be a believer, somebody that takes the Bible seriously, this is one of the things that is so meaningful to me in a world that often does not reflect these things. Now, if I have introspection and I think honestly about the Christian world as well, I often don't see it reflected in Christian communities either. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But to truly reflect what the Bible says, what Christ wants for us, 
we will abound in these things and have the gift of it. To have peace when you lose your car, to have peace when you get the bad news of some disease, when you aren't sure about your funds, when you're not sure about your job, this is not natural. It's not the way that the world operates. But as we reflect on what Christ wants for us, the Lord himself will give this to us. And the question is, how? The first one, it's by believing. It's by trusting that this gift of the Holy Spirit is real and possible for you right now. The second one, the second way that we can have this sort of peace is by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I think some of the time, some of the reasons why we so often live without the experience of peace is because our minds are filled with news headlines and with posts on social media and with the latest thing that we've heard from someone else or with our own worries, our own fears, our own concerns, and we're forgetting the promise of God. We're forgetting the truth. We're not thinking about the gospel. We're not filling our minds with scripture and with truth. Therefore, we don't have great peace. For peace isn't about comfort. It's about integrity and doing what's right. Following God means embracing 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This idea that those who do not love the truth will be handed over to strong delusion that they may believe a lie. Truth. Seeking the truth. God promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. And importantly, we can follow all the social rules to be seen as a Christian, but not love the truth, and so not be guided by the Spirit. But to the degree that we would rather have truth than be comfortable, God will lead us. It's not something for you to do. It's something for you to accept and receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened onto you. As we keep our mind on the Lord of peace, we will find peace, we will embody peace, and it will be a theme of all that we say and do. Finally, a third way that we can access what Paul is speaking to here, where he says the Lord of peace will guide you into all of these things, is through prayer. Prayer is one of the essential means of experiencing the peace of God. In Philippians 4, 6-7, puts it like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You may remember the words of the, the famous hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And this is on page 499, but the words go like this. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So one vital component of experiencing peace that surpasses understanding is through prayer. This is a peace that we can know in all circumstances. This means that in good times and bad times, in times of wealth, in times of poverty, times of health, in times of sickness, it means when things are going well in your family, 
and when your family feels like it's falling apart at the seams. It means when the economy is good and when we're headed into recession, it means even right now in these difficult circumstances, we can know peace because the Lord gives us peace in all times, in every way, in every circumstance. He continues to give us peace. So in this Christmas season, may we reflect on the declaration of the angels as they are declaring the gospel, the good news, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. If I had a magic wand that I could give gifts to all of you as church members, to myself as a father and a husband, I would give the gift of peace, the true peace, and I would also give the gift we'll be talking about next week, the gift of joy, of vibrancy, of community in a world that things are not always good. It, it doesn't just go the way that we hoped and planned. There's something in our being that says this is not where we belong. We have tensions. There's disagreements. But we come together as a community, not because we seek uniformity, but because we believe that we can have peace in spite of our differences. We can have joy even as we see things differently, and we can experience this because it comes as a gift from the Lord of peace. So may peace be on to you. May you receive it. May you extend it. And may we marinate in the promise, peace, and goodness of God. Everyone is invited to join us for the potluck after the service, so I will pray in part for the blessing of the, the meal we're about to eat as well. Let's pray together.
Dear God in heaven, as this year comes to a close, we do pray for your presence, for your peace, not just for our own lives, but that we can be ambassadors to extend it to all the spheres of influence that we have. Come into this place, and each Sabbath that we walk through these doors, may we experience the gift of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the peace that you promise. Bless the food we're about to eat to our bodies, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.